0: It is now 11.30 here at KRVN on this Tuesday, June 29th. It is time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making the Rural Voice of Nebraska part of your day. Jason Jorgensen is in with sports. We'll talk a little bit about the College World Series action as Vanderbilt. It's game one in somewhat ease last night from Omaha. A little rain delay on that one as well. Bob Brogan is back. He will tell us how stocks are performing on this Tuesday. And, of course, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll get the latest lowdown on the weather forecast, especially maybe for this upcoming holiday weekend from our own Paul Perkins to tell us that uh, how the weather is going to look like Saturday, Sunday, and on Monday. But first, let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield.
1: Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening from the farm team on a midday. Alex kicks everything off at 1219 on Nutrition Adventure Day. Then she'll be back at 1245 to talk about the dairy store and some updates that are taking place there. And then I'll step in at 117 as we hear from Representative Kurt Schrader. He represents the fifth district in the state of Oregon, and he is a member of the Energy and Commerce Committee as he talks about the need to upgrade rural broadband, and migrant workers and farm workers in general. And by the way, I got a quarter inch of rain in the overnight. That's a look at the midday from the farm team.
0: Eastern Nebraska continuing to get some uh, decent rain in those areas. Congratulations if you're in eastern Nebraska. Let's turn things now over to uh, Jason Joyton in sports. 7500s in uh, Metro Elm Creek last night out of nowhere. There you go. Take that. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, we, we had the cushions outside on our little cu- couch thing that we have out on the, the deck, and started raining. And the roommate said, Do you think we need to bring those in? I said, No, it's a quick shower. It then poured. We got yeah. half an inch.
2: Yeah. yeah. Then we had a double rainbow. Oh, did you? And the sun stayed out. I, I bet it rained for 15 minutes while you could also see the sun. I, can, I mean, that happens once in a while. I, yeah. I can't ever remember it being that long. It's it was remote. kind of
0: cool. With the last time you guys got rain in that area?
2: Oh, we'd had 40 hundreds the other day okay. and 30 uh-huh. others. We've had over an inch and a half within the last week or so. Nothing to complain about.
0: Soak it up because that might <laughs> yeah. be the last uh, time for a while now. <laughs> it's so. that time of year. All right, <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, College World Series action started last night, and Vanderbilt really didn't have any problems. in the No, they state.
2: didn't. Uh, seven runs in the first inning. Ended up winning at 8-2. to two. Uh, They can finish it off tonight, back-to-back national championships. I wonder, though, if if they do win this, if there is an asterisk put by it. Mm. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's face it, they got to play NC State Mm -hmm. when they were Mm shorthanded, and then the other game with NC State was wiped out. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how history will, it's not their fault, but I don't know how history judges Vanderbilt if they win this. I don't know. It, it's maybe one thing
0: if they were a big underdog and somehow made this. They're just so dominant, especially their pitching. I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's easy for me to say, ah, oh, they would probably have won anyway. But yeah,
2: you're right. I don't. I don't know. I, you know, I time know. time will tell on that. Also, uh, correction on a story we had this morning: Lauren Steveren says she has not decided if she's coming back to Nebraska mm. or not. All depends on how her back heals up. Okay. All right. Well, that makes a big
0: difference. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Broken. How are stocks performing? A little bit higher in trading right now, led by the gains of major banks. Uh, U.S. consumer confidence rose for a fifth month in June. U.S. home prices soared in April at the fastest pace since 2005. So those are some of the stories we're following. It is time for regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins is now joining us, and we're warming up a little bit here today, but nice to see some showers move through some of our listing area late afternoon and early evening yesterday.
3: Yeah, a lot of people missing out on some rains. I know when we went up to Callaway Sunday evening for the registration, a lot of people said, I didn't get any rain. Then a lot of people said, well, I got 40 hundreds and then I got 25 hundreds. Yeah. And I think a few more holes got filled in with those rains Sunday night and again yesterday evening. So, and we had about uh, just over an inch of rain being reported in the Grand Island area, also wow. in Lincoln, a half inch falling in North Platte and 42 hundreds in McCook. A lot of other places, though, some spotty, very light amounts. But over uh, western Kansas, just to the south of I-70, they had two and a half to three inches of rain there.
0: Good rain there. Uh, eastern Nebraska has probably the best chance later on today slash this evening. But otherwise, uh, our chances for more precipitation is beginning to dwindle now.
3: Yeah, very much starting to dry up as this main area of low pressure that's been causing the unsettled weather continues to move off toward the east. And Right now, the rain from last night well into southern Iowa on into much of eastern Kansas. Otherwise, temperatures
0: beginning to warm up overall in some 80s now uh, across eastern Nebraska.
3: Yes, uh, we have temperatures as warm as the low 80s from Omaha down to Hebron. Most of us, though, with temperatures right now on into the mid to upper 70s, actually some seasonal levels for temperatures currently. Not too. It's starting to feel a little bit on the humid side, those dew points in many central and eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas in the low to mid 60s. The highest dew points into eastern Nebraska up to 70 on the dew point in Omaha and Beatrice for some fairly humid conditions. The temperature new points are actually more so in the 50s and not as humid as you head into southwest Nebraska and western Kansas. Today, I'm going to feature a mix of sun and clouds, mostly seasonal temperatures. That area of low pressure, which has persisted in our area for the past several days, will exit to our northeast. A few small chances of thunderstorms expected to linger the next couple of days as several weak disturbances track to the south on the backside of that low. Any rain total is expected to be on the mostly light side, The best chances for appreciable amounts of rain over southern Nebraska... Into northern Kansas. While any rain will remain sparse, luckily our temperatures will stay seasonal all the way through Saturday. Mainly dry weather returns with the ridge of high pressure that builds onto the plains late this weekend into early next week. Temperatures will warm to slightly warmer than average in the 90s on the 4th and Monday. Next week's warmer than normal temperatures, about 5 to 10 degrees above average. In the long term forecast, the Nebraska temperature is likely to be warmer than normal for Independence Day all the way through July 12th. Kansas temperatures Start out as seasonal to slightly cooler than normal for early next week before those Kansas temperatures warm up to seasonal to slightly warmer than normal late next week through the 12th. As that dome of high pressure over the western U.S. starts to build north into Canada, rainfall for Nebraska and western Kansas near normal to slightly below normal for Independence Day through July twelfth. Now central and east Kansas rainfall expected to be near normal to slightly above normal. Kansas weather factor key weather rather rather key weather factors impacting the markets include a stalled front continuing to produce widespread heavy rain in the Midwest and frost in southern Brazil. Twin ridges of high pressure, one over western North America. The other near the mid-Atlantic coast will continue the hot and dry weather in much of the western and central. In much of the western and eastern U.S., the western ridge shattering additional temperature records the next several days in the northwestern U.S. Between ridges, tropical moisture enhancing the rainfall near a cold front that's crossing the southern plains and Midwest. 5-day rain totals could reach 2 to 4 inches across the southern plains, as well as from the Gulf Coast into the Ohio Valley. Most of the Midwest recently saw at least some rain, helping to ease the drought across a wide area. Southern Minnesota, though, saw some decent rain, but most of the state missing out on beneficial rain. A front slowly moving south over the next few days. Behind that front, the scattered rain drying up, but dryness causing concern for areas missing out on the rain. Over the southern plains, it's been a solid zone of heavy rain from northern Texas into eastern. Eastern Kansas, where amounts eclipsed 2 inches and disrupted the wheat harvest, causing some flooding also. Western Kansas, south of I-70, expected to see some wheat harvest delays after their 2 to 3 inches of rain last night. In the Northern Plains, crops are stabilizing but not improving dry conditions over the next week. In the Northern Plains, continuing to stress the developing crops for Brazil, dryness continues to plague their corn. Frost across Paraná corn fields through Thursday will continue to harm immature corn. If the drought has not been enough already, wheat will be more resilient to the winter temperature fluctuations and in much better shape for the wheat crop now in the vegetative stage.
0: So, temperatures likely going to be warmer starting on July 5th, so next Monday, and for a while.
3: Yes, it looks like uh, warmer than normal temperatures, especially in Nebraska, that are going to start to feel the effects of that ridge of high pressure that's been just plaguing the Mm -hmm. western U.S. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Pacific Northwest, their temperatures into the triple digits, (laughs) and it's not usually that hot this time of year by any means. No,
0: they don't know how to handle that. I mean, some areas don't even have air conditioners
3: Mm -hmm. because it doesn't ever get that hot. Yeah, I've heard, you know, usually this time of year, it's in the 70s. And yeah, 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 yeah. So a big See, shock to their system.
0: I was looking earlier. Seattle now is in the upper 60s, low 70s, which they're used to. That's mm-hmm. that's normal. <laughs> but uh, the middle portion, eastern side of Washington, Oregon, still seeing uh, triple digits in the upper 90s right now. Yeah, it's uh, 100 degrees there in uh, northeast Oregon. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Well, for a full
3: local weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. All right. Thank you. Producers.
4: The Kansas Beef Council recently hosted a virtual multi-day event for registered dietitians. Abby Hadari is Director of Nutrition with the Kansas Beef Council, and she tells us a little bit more
5: about the outreach program. Beef councils from Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Oklahoma hosted a select group of 17 registered dietitians from 12 states for a virtual Nutrition Adventure 2021. The virtual option was a pivot from our typical in-person event that is hosted biennially in the greater Kansas City area. The checkoff-funded event emphasized beef's nutritional profile and culinary versatility through practical applications and interactive presenters and activities. The attendees were selected given their high level of involvement in social media, blog platforms, and leading university dietetic programs. And Abby gave
4: an overview of what types of topics the event included.
5: Attendees of the Chekhov-funded event learned about beef nutrition, including lean cuts of beef and emerging human nutrition research. The Chekhov-funded event addressed misinformation during a presentation by registered dietitian Amy Goodson titled Beef Facts, Taking Your Knowledge from Rare to Well Done. Throughout the presentation, Amy challenged five common misperceptions about beef with practical advice in a myth-busting format. Dr. Donald Lehman, a leading protein research expert, shared the importance of protein quality, quantity, and bioavailability, as well as the unique role beef cattle play within sustainable diets. As the attendees acquired new information about beef nutrition, interactive culinary experiences provided these health professionals with the tools to share their newfound knowledge with clients and patients. On the first day of the virtual event, NCBA staff Bridget Wasser and chef Alex Brights showcased how to stretch top sirloin steak three ways with a live cooking and cutting demonstration. Improving attendees' skills in preparing beef enhances their effectiveness as they share new cooking skills with clients and patients in person and on social media. Abby mentioned
4: earlier that the program addresses some common misinformation regarding beef nutrition. She explains a little bit more about how beef checkoff-funded programs like Nutrition Adventure
5: address misconceptions within beef production. Nutrition Adventure professional development sessions also focused on key areas such as sustainability, animal handling, and animal health and welfare through virtual ranch tours and a panel discussion with experts in the beef community. Attendees explored the beef life cycle with ranchers Dirk and Natalie Hoagland from J&N Ranch in Leavenworth. Isaac Carr with Eight Brothers Land and Cattle outside of Junction City, and Sean Tiffany with Tiffany Cattle Co. in Harrington, Kansas. The ranchers shared their operations with attendees through virtual ranch tours and connected with attendees as they answered questions about beef production. A high point for the participants was mingling virtually with the beef community experts while putting together a beef charcuterie board and then transitioning into our expert panel discussion. The panel was made up of Ren and Arturo Pacheco, Ranchers in the Flint Hills of Kansas, Dr. Dan Thompson, a veterinarian and chair of the Department of Animal Science at Iowa State University, Dr. Angie Siemens, Vice President of Food Safety, Quality and Regulatory for Cargill and Wichita, Kansas, and Dr. Frank Mintlerner, Professor and Air Quality Specialist in Cooperative Extension in the Department of Animal Science at UC Davis. The panel discussion had many takeaways and sound bites for the dietitian attendees to use with clients that are confused about bee production. Topics varied from humane animal handling practices to growth hormones.
4: Again, those comments coming from Abby Hidari. She is the Director of Nutrition for the Kansas Beef Council. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
6: Shipping available. It
0: is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is now joining us in the studio, and
2: Game 1 is through for the CWS Championships in Omaha. they had to fight through a rain delay last night. College baseball season could end tonight if the Mm -hmm. Commodores win again. They didn't have much trouble last night. Jack Leiter was given a big lead. They cruised into an 8-2 win. They got their work done early, scoring seven runs in the first inning. We'll see, as I mentioned last hour, uh, be a great accomplishment for them if they were able to repeat. Keep in mind, they were down to their final strike against that Mm -hmm. comeback win Mm -hmm. against Stanford. You just wonder how this championship would be looked at, considering the fact that that already lost once in the CWS, NC State had to play them once with only four pitchers and nine positional players available, and then the second game got wiped out. I don't know. I don't know either.
0: Is it, to a certain extent, all of the championships in any sport where you could put a potential asterisk? I mean... Especially coming off the COVID year. I, yeah, I, I don't get, know. And, and it's I, not I, I their know. fault.
2: Right. No, and yeah, but, you get the advantage, go win. hmm So we'll see how it shakes out tonight in the big O. Three-time All-American Lauren Stiverin says she's still undecided about playing in Nebraska's upcoming volleyball season. The senior posted on social media last night following a VolleyballMag.com story citing a recent interview with Coach John Cook. In that interview, Cook said he was unsure whether Stevens will be available in the fall, but he indicated that the two-time champion, uh, captain would be part of the program this upcoming season. So there is a difference mm-hmm. of opinion there. Stiverin says she has to get healthy first and she's had back issues since last season. Now, as good as John Cook is with the media, I can't believe that he 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 wouldn't have said anything if he wasn't for sure that she was coming back. It's
0: just what I was thinking as well. He's he's pretty solid with uh, keeping things under wraps anyway. And he did that with her when she was hurt at yes. the tournament.
2: And I, I don't know. I don't know where the difference of opinion is. Time will tell. Hopefully, she's a Husker. Mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber of the Nationals takes aim tonight against Rich Hill in the visiting Tampa Bay Rays. Schwarber, to say he's been hot, he's <laughs> hotter than the weather out in Oregon here of late. He hit two more home runs last night. That gives him 15 homers in mm-hmm. 17 days. According to stats, people to keep track of such things, that's the shortest span of Major League history in which a guy has hit 15 round trippers. It's interesting because he was struggling
0: when he first became a national, and now this dude just can't be stopped yeah you're
2: surprised people are pitching to him and Venus Williams has won a match at Wimbledon for the 90th time the 41 year old advanced to the second round The match ended moments before a light shower forced an interruption of play Williams is playing at Wimbledon for a 23rd time also our our crack tennis expert Jen tells me that that Roger Federer is losing right now Ah, so hopefully he can bounce back but as, as I said earlier this week father time is creeping up on old Roger he even looks mm. older out there as well compared to the other guys. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll okay. see. We, we may have to counsel her later if he loses. <laughs> Seriously. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Thank you very much.
5: Well Housing Lender.
0: It's time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us, and Governor Pete Ricketts making a a big announcement yesterday.
7: Yes, yesterday he announced that the state of emergency tied to COVID-19 in Nebraska will end just before midnight tomorrow night. He announced that it will allow to be ex- allowed to expire as a, earlier planned. He said the hospitalizations have been down to less than 1% of hospital beds, and the state has accomplished the goal of preserving hospital capacity, meaning that it's time to return to a more normal life. However, Rick had said... Since we'll be living with the coronavirus forever, preventative measures are no less important now than they were before.
2: So we still have vaccine. Vaccines work. We have proof of it here in Nebraska. We know vaccines work. So please get your vaccine. And it's also still a good idea to do some of the other things we talked about, right? Making sure you're coughing into your elbow, washing your hands, uh, and importantly, staying home when you're sick. Those are all still good things to do. Not only for the coronavirus, but for everything.
7: Well, the Test Nebraska contract will end July 31st, with the last day to get a test being July 18th. A Nebraska woman has been sentenced to between 64 and 102 years in prison for several child abuse charges related to sleepovers with friends of her then 11 year old daughter where they had sex, where she had sex with two boys and handed out marijuana infused gummy bears. Greer was convicted in March. Uh, The woman was convicted in March of 11 charges, including three counts of first degree sexual assault of a child. Court documents say she groomed two of the boys, ages 12 and 13, to have sex with her. Law enforcement retrieved sexually explicit photos of the woman with one victim's phone. She also was convicted of telling the children not to tell anyone about the incidents. Employees at two Nebraska prisons will have to work longer shifts and may be asked to clock in at a facility where they don't normally work to compensate for staffing shortages. Director Scott Frake says he has declared a staffing emergency at Lincoln's Correctional Center and the Diagnostic Evaluation Center. They're located next to each other in Lincoln. Prison officials will implement 12-hour shifts for some employees. That's up from the usual eight. Brake says the move was driven largely by a slowdown in hiring, similar to what employers have faced with the tight labor markets in Nebraska and nationally. And a 20-year-old Iowa man accused of hiding in the back seat of a Nebraska woman's car and using zip ties, duct tape, and homemade chloroform to abduct her has pleaded not guilty to the charges in the case. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
4: The UNL Dairy Store has seen quite a few changes in the past year, past 15 months or so. And today we are getting an update with Terry Howell. He is the Executive Director of the Food Processing Center at UNL, joining us in studio today. So Terry, let's first back up, if you would, and give us a year in review of the UNL Dairy Store.
8: Yeah, so when the pandemic hit and and the campus kind of dispersed, Immediately foot traffic for the dairy store disappeared, and then you know then you had the broader public also taking their precautions and so from about March fifteenth until June first, the store was completely closed about ten weeks uh, during that time, we had a couple of kind of one day sales just to you know let people come in and buy one and a half quart containers and that kind of thing, take it home with them um, and then we we tried to do some. Some curbside service related to the dairy store it didn 't take off as much as we 'd like and what ended and not what we would see across the broader food industry, so we reopened in June of twenty twenty to very very modest traffic, uh, so we slowly started to to regain sales and yet when the campus you know came back for the fall semester and then the spring semester, there still was so much activity remote and hybrid that we didn't see a lot of foot traffic so it was really a slow year on sales for particularly ice cream but but we had an incredible banner year on sales for our cheese boxes and things that go with them so the community really responded beautifully in november december and we had probably a like a 50 percent increase in cheese box sales from the previous year so we were scrambling to get the cheese ready, to get meat ready, and actually had to supplement some of our cheese boxes with some uh, sausages and things from the Wahoo meat locker. So they were, they came through with us for us in a big way because we we overwhelmed what the the lawful meat center could provide for us. So yeah, so that was good. And then since then the ice cream side of things kind of limped along in the spring semester again very little foot traffic and then Really once once the vaccinations started to take off and people started to have some comfort level to to be out, we've seen some really tremendous growth in sales and just activity in the store, lines in the store for the first time in over 15 months, which has been really great to see. And the store is in a new location, so most of our consumers hadn't had a chance to see it. We literally had our grand opening debut the day the university announced it was closing. So. We had 700 people in on March 10th, March 11th, and then immediately went quiet. So, to see people in line at the store, to see people filling tables, is it you know it brings a smile to my my face for sure. And um, and I think it's it, it's a, it's a good sign for for Nebraska overall. So it's been really good.
4: So now we're into the full swing of summer 2021. Mm-hmm. That famous trailer is out yeah. and about at different places. What are you guys doing this summer?
8: So yeah, it's a great question and and something that we've been very intentional about. The trailer has historically really focused on a, on a few events. We do jazz in June. And so there's, I think, one more... Tuesday night that the trailer will be out uh, June 29th. But other than that, we've been trying to take the trailer out across town in different forms and then in local communities. We've got plans to take the trailer out even into parts of central Nebraska in July. We're really excited about a chance to get out in Hastings, Kearney, but really trying to take a little bit of the East Campus Dairy Store to the state. Of course, we'll be at the State Fair again this year, which we're really excited about. We've always historically had an indoor sales area. Uh, last year, because that venue was closed, we, we had the trailer there and it was really a big hit. And so we're going to bring the trailer as well. So we'll be in two locations at the State Fair this summer and and then we're just looking for ways to promote the UNL ice cream and and the dairy store in general so the trailer's been a great part of that and and just as you mentioned it has been uh, really really well received by my customers.
4: So Terry you mentioned a couple minutes ago the dairy store is actually in a new location on east campus that's happened within the last we'll call it year or so but also the place where the ice cream is made has also transitioned. Tell me about that.
8: Yeah, so the dairy plant has been a part of the Food Processing Center for the bulk of its recent history. And and the Food Processing Center staff and, and its facilities have moved on to Innovation Campus six years ago, and so the, the dairy plant was the last remaining piece of the Food Processing Center that had been on East Campus. So under Mike Baimes' leadership and Ron Yoder, we've moved that plant to Innovation Campus. So around July 1 of of 2020, the plant was ready to go and open and and beginning to produce ice cream and cheeses here on Innovation Campus. And that's been really great for us to have all of our staff and facilities under one roof. Uh, It's allowed us to make a couple of upgrades here and there. We've got a, a newer ice cream freezer now so we can increase our capacity and so it's been a really good experience for us you know our biggest challenge now is we've got to transport ice cream uh, back and forth between the campuses we can't just walk across the hall but that's a minor inconvenience right now so.
4: All right well Terry as we round out this conversation I do have to ask you of course people can go out and about to see the trailer and get their dairy store ice cream or they can visit the brand new UNL dairy store what do you have for flavor recommendations?
8: you know they're they're all good i'm i'm still discovering flavors i i've had some that that I've kind of just grown attached to over the years. So uh, I've only been on campus for three years, roughly the same time as Scott Frost. So so I've been a big fan of butterscotch frost. That's that's one I've always enjoyed. Uh, I'm a coffee fan, so our Mocha Madness has been one that I've enjoyed. The newest one that, that I'm kind of addicted to is our Tractor Test Toffee. So we introduced a flavor. It actually debuted in that March 10th, you know, that day that uh, we – got shut down essentially, but it was to celebrate a hundred years of the Nebraska tractor test laboratory. And so we've kind of continued that flavor this whole year because we, we don't want to miss out on, on celebrating that anniversary. And I know they're going to have a big celebration in about a year. So we'll probably keep that flavor going, but it's, it's been good. And then, um, but As I mentioned, though, I'm still discovering flavors. I, I had our German chocolate last week. and I was like, why have I not had this before? It's so good. So um, I don't know that you can go wrong.
4: <laughs> no, I think that's quite impossible. <laughs> All right, Terry, thanks so much. Uh, again, joining us, that's been Terry Howell. He is the Executive Director of the Food Processing Center at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Video Network.
7: For 70 years, KRBN, the River and Cammie, has been on the air, serving ag producers in Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, South Dakota, and Iowa. That's a big reason to celebrate with a big prize. KRBN is going platinum this summer, giving you the chance to win a brand new Ruby Red 2020 Ram 3500 Dually Pickup with a Hillsboro aluminum flatbed. KRBN is going platinum with the help of Faw's Garage, Arapaho, Faw Motor Company, Cambridge, Lashley Land and Recreational Brokers, and Eustis Body shop with locations in Eustis, Cozad, Lexington, Carney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. We're giving you a lot of ways to register to win. Stop by one of the many registration locations across the state. Come see us at a summer event and listen for your chance to call in and register. It
1: comes as no surprise as the discussion for rural broadband continues to get attention in Washington, D.C., Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Representative Kurt Schrader is a representative in the 5th District in the state of Oregon. He's also a member of the Energy and Commerce Committee. He talked about the need for more rural broadband.
6: If there's one good thing, only maybe one good thing out of this horrible pandemic, it was it uh, it put a spotlight on the need for for rural broadband. Uh, When children were forced to educate from back home, uh, uh, when you couldn't go see your doctor, telemedicine uh, became a a huge deal. And frankly, to run your business, you know, uh, you had to still be able to participate. Uh, And for farmers, I mean, uh, the opportunity now for being more thoughtful, uh, save some money by just – Uh, going to aerial drones slash, you know, some internet Wi-Fi opportunities out there to to really bring your operation to the 21st century. It's critical. If you're going to compete overseas with that cheap labor stuff, you got to have the latest technology. And I've seen some amazing technologies in my state that uh, allow farmers to really pinpoint exactly what they need to do, where, and, and how much of some of this expensive stuff they, uh, they actually need to spend to get the the product that Americans want at the end of the day.
1: And it shows how critical rural broadband is.
6: So we've got a situation in Congress where everyone's on the same page for a change. You know, uh, we, uh, argue a little bit from time to time, and the infrastructure package that the president's put out is, uh, somewhat controversial in some areas, but not with broadband. And I don't care if you're a senator. I don't care if you're a House member. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. Uh, everyone is on board with including broadband as part of uh, infrastructure package. And the good news for rural America is everyone seems to be on the same page as far as making sure it's unserved folks that get it first. And those that maybe are underserved with a very sharp definition to make sure it doesn't go to the urban areas, or suburban areas where, you know, a lot of the companies can profitably provide that that broadband service.
1: And Representative Schrader talked a little bit about the Farm Worker Modernization Act.
6: A lot of folks forget that uh, uh, during this terrible COVID epidemic that our farm worker community stepped up. They were declared essential workers in our state and around the country and they're in large part deserve a ton of the credit for making sure that again the food fell, came to the grocery shelves at the end of the day and uh, in our home state of Oregon, uh, uh, the farm workers, Bakun in particular, played a critical role in getting that Farm Worker Modernization Act uh, uh, developed and enacted. It's passed the House now twice. Uh, uh, at the end of Congress, we finally got it together and you know, got it out there. Uh, and then we got after it early this Congress to make sure the Senate has an opportunity to take it up. But it's a wonderful piece of legislation. Hopefully it breaks the logjam on the immigration you know farm issue uh farmers uh, that I talk to desperate for a workforce that uh, knows how to work, willing to put the effort in. Uh, put some certainty into the H-2A program, which could be so complicated. This streamlines a lot of that for our farmers.
1: And farm workers are remembered as well.
6: Uh, gives folks a chance to uh, stay as long as they're in the farm uh, worker space, in the ag space, uh, get to stay here in this country. And frankly, eventually earn legal permanent status. So it's a win-win for the farmers, the farm workers. Uh, and I think our country.
1: That's Representative Schrader from the state of Oregon. Thanks to fellow farm broadcaster Tony St. James for sharing his interview. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
9: Patten on the World Radio Network as we take a check of the closing grain trade with John Payne, senior marketing analyst, Daniel Zach Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, some back and forth action in today's trade. Minneapolis wheat, though, actually one of the leaders to the downside. Are we in a position where realistically the trade is set to see what USDA has versus trying to lean one direction or the other?
10: Well, you know, I think there's so much anticipation for tomorrow that you, know, you tend to bake the numbers in ahead of time, volatility-wise, you know, and prices based off of, an, uh, you know, an expected report on acreage uh, combined with, you know, an unchanged stock number, I think is going to be bearish for wheat. I think the one thing about, you know, wheat, it's really torn between two markets. It's a strong Kansas City market. have seen that with exports going to China uh, from Australia. And then on the KC side, the Egyptian tender was met finally, uh, so we got about 260 dollar, $250, $250 price point, which is not $7 KC. So short term here, it'll be a, uh, you know, I'm trying to tell everybody just kind of be ready to absorb the number rather quickly and then get back to trading weather. because That's the way the thing has a probability of working out.
9: And realistically, I know a lot of folks focused in on what that anchorage will say, but really the quarterly stocks, when you look at the historical trade data, that thing has been very volatile.
10: Absolutely. So, just a little math to watch for on soybeans: if they move it 50 million, uh, if they move it 1 million acres to the positive side, and they drop it 50 million bushels to the uh, to the stock side, there's an unchanged outcome there. And if they would happen to cut both, where let's say the acreage is, let say it's 89 million again, and uh, you get a, a stock summer that's 50 million light, well, you now have 50 million less at the end at the carryover, and you have. Uh, kind of a double whammy on the supply side. So, it's one of those reports that's actually really fascinating because it's simple. You just get two numbers. You get the acres number and you're going to get the stocks number. And, you know, it's not like a WASD where you've got to really comb through it all to kind of understand where the changes are being made. So, be prepared for some surprises. I, I think that's kind of an oxymoron to say. I mean, if you're prepared, it's not a surprise. So, I think we're all, we're all in this boat.
9: We're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. If you'd like to sign up for his daily newsletter, This Week in Grain, which he publishes free to his subscribers, you can check that out at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, it's DanielsAgMarketing.com, where you can find all of that out. Do you remember, trading future options involve risk of loss, may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. As we come into the close, we're still going to see soybean meal in the red across the board, but soybeans and corn, at least in the front month contracts, all being able to end back in the uh, back in the green, and Minneapolis spring wheat down about two and a half percent on several of the front month contracts.
0: All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Tuesday. You can catch the midday podcast sponsored by DaVinci Motors, available wherever podcasts can be found or KR.